Welcome into the House of L podcast, episode number 26. We have gone over 25 episodes. Yes, because it's episode number 26. I'm your host, Lawrence Holmes. Glad that you are able to spend a little bit of time with me and my guests this week. If you clicked on it, you already know. If not, it's Adam Hogue, who covers the Bears for WGN Radio and does an incredible podcast about the Bears with Adam Johns called the Hogue and Johns podcast. This is the podcast that you're listening to now, though, my House of L. And before we get started, I just want to thank everyone. If you heard me at the end of last of episode 25, the Jim Rose episode, if you haven't, go back and listen. You heard a man who was at the end of his rope and needed some time off. Well, I got it. I got the time off. White Panther and I went to Arizona for a few days. It was really nice. We got to spend some time in Sedona, which I don't ordinarily do. And that was wonderful. We found a breakfast place that was up in the mountains. And the view from the mountains is ridiculous. There are a couple of pictures on my Instagram, which is at Lawrence W. Holmes, if you want to check it out. We weren't as ambitious as I wasn't feeling great. Like physically, I wasn't feeling great which was part of the reason why I needed a break. And we were thinking about going to the Grand Canyon because we went to the Grand Canyon and the Grand Canyon was closed. Let me explain. Mel and I went to Las Vegas. I was doing a DePaul basketball game a couple years ago with Zach. We were in Vegas. The team went home. I stayed in Vegas, waited for her. She was on break. So... We drove, we were like, let's let's go spend the week in Phoenix, but we'll drive from Vegas to Phoenix, and on our way, we'll go to the Grand Canyon, right? Because it's pretty much the, in the direct path of us making that drive. So we drove up, and it was snowing. And because of that, it got really cloudy. So we were going to the Sky Bridge and foggy, more so foggy than cloudy. We got to the Sky Bridge, and we were like, Hey, uh, can we go out in the skybridge? He's like, yeah, you can pay for it if you want, but you're not going to be able to see anything. And we were like, so the Grand Canyon's closed? And they were like, yeah, kind of. So that was a big bust. So we kept thinking we would go back, and I thought this would be the trip, but I didn't really feel up to it. So all I could muster was a trip to Sedona. By the way, the other part of this was that we got a car that was so small If you're listening to me on the radio this week, I talked about it. We got a Mazda Miata. That wasn't what I I started out thinking that we would be driving. Like I got a, I was looking for a small SUV or a midsize car. That's what I had booked. Then when I got there, they were like, oh, we don't have any cars. Isn't it hilarious? And I was like, it's not really that hilarious because I don't feel good and I'm tired. And I'd really just like to go to my hotel now, which was right down the road. But So we just took the first car that came back. And the first car that came back was a Mazda Miata. And you should have seen Mel's face. Because she thought there was no way that I was going to be comfortable driving it. And she was right. Like, physically, it was very uncomfortable. It's a cute little car. And it was a convertible. Which I would never pick as a driving around car, even in a place like Phoenix where it doesn't really rain. But we had fun in that little car, but I was concerned that it was, wasn't going to be able to make the, the altitude 
that it wasn't going to be able to get above 5,000 feet. Because once you get to Flagstaff, we're talking about like 7,200 feet. You start seeing the signs of turn your air conditioning off and all that other stuff, truck runoff things and all that. So it didn't happen. But we did make it to Sedona, and it was great. It was a really wonderful weekend. I got to hang out with Dan Soder a little bit. Not like we were hitting the bars, but after his show, we talked for a little bit. He's great. He's very funny. And seeing him just wreck it in Tempe at the improv. And thanks, everyone, at the Tempe Improv, too. I, I They gave me a glass because I was the quote-unquote designated driver. And I made it made it all the way home. We packed it well, and it made it home. So I was very excited. But if you ever get the chance to see Dan Soder live, you should. You should also be listening to, to his show on Sirius XM. The bonfire, him and Big J Okerson, which is hysterical. It, it is exactly what you want a show to be. Two friends just hanging out, vibing out, enjoying their time together and being hilarious. So I'm a big fan, and you know, I started following him. He followed me back. We've kind of exchanged sports things. He's a big 49ers fan, and and I just wanted to meet him up close, and we did, and we talked, and it was great. So the whole trip was was awesome. I ate like a king, and I feel a lot better. So I'm happy. I'm I'm well rested. I'm ready for the next thing. But thanks to everyone, while I was gone, we went over a hundred thousand downloads. Yes. So that was my goal for the year. When we started in June, I was like, a hundred thousand seems like a good goal. And now we're we're in the middle of October and we've already reached it. So in a little over four months, we're already there. So now I'm not sure what to do next. Actually, I, I am sure what I want to do next. I want to keep expanding it. You know what I didn't keep in mind when, when projecting out, I didn't keep in mind that people would be interested in the back episodes. I kind of looked at it still from a radio perspective of here's what's now, here's what's happening this week. And what I'm learning is that there is your listening habits are different. So you might jump around House of Pain from episode to episode like there. You may not care about the University of Chicago episode, but you love Sarah Spain. Or you may not be interested in me talking to John Weideman, although you should be. But you're really interested in hearing from Barry Rosner. So people jumped around. And you look at the numbers of people that are doing the back episodes, and some people are just jumping on to House of L, which I appreciate thoroughly. I, mean, I really, truly do appreciate that you're jumping in on this. Even if it's at a later date, thank you for that. But we went over 100,000, and it was, it was dope. It was really, really dope. Um, White Panther came home with some brownies. She put 100K on the brownies, and then we devoured the brownies. But... Thank you for being patient with some of the audio issues early on and realizing that that we'd have fun and interesting content on the show. I want to thank my sponsors, too. Melly Cafe, three locations. Jackson and Halstead, right there in Greektown, great place. Congress in Dearborn, when I'm at DePaul and I need a good meal, I usually head over there. Or Grand and Wells. Three great locations. They went and brought food to us at the pregame show last week, and it was magnificent. The crew over at NBC Sports Chicago devoured that in minutes. 
Check them out. Their, their social media accounts at Melly Cafe Chicago to see what I'm talking about. And then go there. And when you go there, tell them that you heard about it on the House of L podcast. And that's why you felt like you had to try it. But just go try it. And our guest today, I forgot to, Adam Hogan and I sat down yesterday and I forgot to bring him his Melly Cafe gift card, but I will take care of that and I will get that in his hands so that he can have a great meal as well. It was awesome to sit with him. I, I He's one of those guys that I really root for in this business and you'll you'll hear why throughout the, the hour or so that we talk. I, I consider him a rightful heir when he was here to, to the Bears beat and that it that continues with his work over at WGN Radio and the podcast that he and Adam Adam Johns are doing. Adam, by the way, a good dude. He's a he's definitely on the list of people that I'd like to get on the podcast at some point. A very smart guy. Looks like he's 20, but he's not 20. We'll talk about that when it's his episode. But Hoger is is one of the guys that I truly root for in this business. And I'm very, very happy that he has reached this level of success. As I'll give him the same compliment that John Moon Mullen gave me a long time ago, which sticks with me, and I, I look at it as a badge of pride. He's a dangerous man. He has reached dangerous man status. That's a guy who breaks news. That's a guy who covers the Bears really well. And I feel like for sports, covering the Bears is like covering City Hall. So if you're doing that, if you're doing well on that beat, you're, you're, you're doing something big. So we had a great time talking. And we got to talk at the DePaul Studios, which I'm happy. You know, DePaul kind of gave me the green light to let me do some of that stuff. And it's fun. And I get to... If my, my students want to stop by and check out how I do interviews and add a little bit of what I do to what they're already doing, that would be great. But I plan to do more from there. And honestly, it's really cool. Like our, our studios for Radio DePaul Sports is right there in the DePaul Center, which is off of Jackson and State. And now we have a sports communications major. So it's elevated my class which is cool, and the funds are there. So they said, if you want to do some stuff, yes, it would be nice if you would do the podcast there. Like, I do mine there. The Carol Marine does hers there. It's cool. So Adam is the first guest that I've brought to Radio DePaul Sports to do the interview, and I, I feel like he was impressed with, with what he saw, and hopefully I'll, I'll be able to bring more guests there if I can't do it on site with the guest or do it here at the score, then that would be a great place to kind of showcase and, you know, put some heavy hitters in Chicago media in front of some students that are trying to figure out how to get to where those people are. And Adam Hogue is a really good example for students because of the way that he found himself in the place that he's at. And I wanted to talk to him about that. So enjoy. We also spent a lot of time talking about the Bears and covering the Bears and what's it like to cover an NFL team. It's different, and, and we break down how different it is from covering the other sports. And because there is a um, – with the NFL and with the Bears, there is – they don't feel beholden to anyone. They don't care if you don't cover it. And sometimes it shows in the way that they treat people. 
or they treat their secrets. But we'll get into that. Adam was over at the game, the, the, the sports radio station that was up and then folded, and we talked a lot about that too and some of the conversation that we had before he made the decision to go over there, and I tried to stop him. It's, you'll understand as you, you listen to the interview. So enjoy. We'll have some emails and some thoughts about the, the podcast and future guests and stuff after it's done, but this is Adam Hogue. I'm thinking back to you at the score. And I'm just wondering, when you were at Wisconsin, was the goal to be on air or was the goal to write? It, it, I I love this question, Lawrence, because it, really the last 10 years, even going back even farther when I was at Wisconsin, so really like 14 years, I haven't really known. I mean, I like doing both, and I like doing TV stuff too. And I, I I'll put it this way. I've always just tried to find, like, the lane that isn't occupied. You know what I mean? So when I was at Wisconsin, I was doing journalism stuff. I got a degree in journalism. I was a sports editor at the newspaper. And that was all more affiliated with the university more than our student radio station ever was. And our student radio station was, like, this very unorganized, very liberal lot mostly music and then there were like two random hours carved out in the afternoon for our sports show so it's still provided me a ton of opportunity and but we like we just did the games on our own like they weren't even on the station we were just sort of recording it which didn't matter I mean it's all about getting the experience and the reps so it was all good but yeah when I left Wisconsin it was just like all right where's the opportunity and that ended up being an internship at WGN Radio. And so that just kind of started the radio path. If I had been offered an internship at the Chicago Tribune or the Sun-Times or something like that, like, who knows? Maybe it would have gone that way. But as it turned out when I was at the score, that journalism experience ended up paying off because after working as a part-time producer for a few years, they needed somebody to run the website and somebody who knew how to write. And it was like, here's your full-time opportunity. And you know what it's like over there. I mean, it's, a lot of guys work for a long time as a part-timer making nothing. So if you can get those benefits, it was huge. So, yeah, I've just sort of been juggling both. I still do juggle both, and it's fun for me. And now you can add in television as well because you're doing that over at Channel 9. I, it's something I talk with students about all the time. The idea of you're going to be just one thing, that's over with. Yeah. That, that if you think that, oh, I'm, I'm a great writer, I'll just be a writer. Well, then you're going to be asked to go on radio or go on television to talk about the stuff that you've written. So you're going to need training in a lot of different disciplines if you're going to make it. You have to do everything. And, and so I didn't get a whole lot of TV training in college, but I did get an internship. Let's see, that would have been the summer before my senior year. In, at you know the NBC station in Madison, it was like two days a week. I was actually living down here, working down here during the week, and I'd drive up there for two days every week during the summer just to get, hey, so this is TV. That ended up paying off because I, work, I ended up working at Big Ten Network as a PA for a, a couple years, just sort of freelancing. That was always the thing. It was like just get whatever experience you can – while you're still young and you don't have a whole lot of responsibility and then just see where it pays off to where you can actually get the job because that's the hardest thing obviously is finding 
you know, the the actual opportunity where they're gonna pay you, hey, here's a real salary, here's benefits. It, that takes a while. This is a tough business. What was the moment where you felt like, okay, I seem to have a handle on what I am and and what I can become in this business? I think it was probably when I started really covering the Bears. You know, I always grew up more of a baseball fan. That was the sport I played the most. The White Sox are still probably the team I identify with the most. But somewhere probably when I was in college covering the Badgers and working in the radio booth there as an intern uh, for for their radio team, Matt LaPay and Mike Lucas, I started sort of scratching that football itch and really – sort of being like wow I you know I like the game I like the the strategy I like I like everything that goes into it in a game week leading up to kickoff and so when I took over the the website the sports content uh for the score you know it was like we have this great bears coverage all over the radio station but there's not a whole lot of coverage on the website like we need to tap into this because we could post 10 stories a day and every story, you know, nine of them would just get a couple hundred clicks. You write something on the bears and it's got a few thousand. So I kind of use that opportunity as sort of being the guy that could dictate what the, you know, what was happening with the website to be like, okay, well, I want a credential. I want to go cover the games. And that's what it turned into. And then once I got into it, um, and especially when they sent, started sending me on the road to, to cover the road games too, that was when I was really like, okay, I could see myself covering football for a really long time. Can I just say that as someone who has covered football, I, I don't know if this has been your experience. I just love covering it compared to the other sports. Yeah. And I'm like you. I'm, I'm a baseball fan. I grew up playing baseball. I, I'm same way. I probably am most identified with the White Sox when it comes to my fandom. It's really the only team left, along with DePaul, that I actually care about. Mm-hmm. But the schedule for football is great. And I'm not talking about game day. Game day is is 10 to 12 hours. You know, you're going to invest that time in what you do. But the weekly schedule, I was thinking about like all the people that cover baseball. It's awful. It's terrible. It, it's like like you see those people, like I'll go down, you probably go down once the spring training, spend a few days there, and I'm like, wow, so it's February. And you're going to be here and you're going to watch terrible spring training games. And then, then after all of that, after we get super excited in April that the season has started up, then here's 162 games. Right. And God forbid you have a team that goes to the playoffs. Now you're talking about extra time. It just, the schedule for football is so perfect for the life of someone who wants to cover sports. It really is, especially if we're going to get into family stuff. I, I don't know. I mean, if you, I got a great opportunity this year to start doing White Sox post game shows, and it's fun. I love doing it, but the way we have it set up is really perfect for me because I'm doing about half the games, and once football started, it was probably even a little bit less than that. Because I just, I just, I don't know how you're supposed to have like a a full family and operate uh, and be a good dad every single day. Uh, and there's some great people out there that manage to do it. I, Corey Provis, who does play-by-play for the Twins, has has two young kids, and 
and and they get by and they love living in Minnesota now and he's a Chicago guy but they they live up there now and I I say to him I'm like I don't know how you do this but you know it's probably a little easier when you're the the guy and you're you're making a lot more money but it's most of these guys that are on the be- baseball beat aren't making a ton of money I don't think I don't know and it just it's it, to your point it's just football you can you can spend your day at House Hall. You can still be at home with your family at night. And don't get me wrong, I love doing the White Sox stuff, but it is much more of a, a grind than even football is. Just sort of getting through the week, if that makes sense. No, it, it absolutely makes sense. I I try to impress upon young broadcasters or students that your partner is really important. Your partner has to understand that. It means holidays. It means late nights. It means, well, the game went long. So so I, I'm not going to be home until 1 or 2 in the morning because of some of that stuff. How have you had to navigate that? Oh, Lawrence, it's, it's not easy. And, and that's with me having the benefit of it mostly being football over the last seven or eight years. You know, I started dating my wife my senior year at Wisconsin, and she still had two more years of school left, uh, and she was going to school in Milwaukee. She went to UW-Milwaukee, so we weren't even in the same town. And You know, I was doing games back then. I was calling hockey games. Like, it's not really conducive to a college relationship either because you're like, yeah, honey, I got a game on Friday and Saturday, and, and then, you know, I spent the – I was covering basketball too. I don't even know how we – we did it to be honest so you would have thought that would have been like a good uh hey this is how it's probably going to be forever but that doesn't (laughs) really matter because it's as you get deeper and deeper in your relationship and then you bring a a child into it like there's responsibilities there's stuff that has to be done you have to be certain places like just this morning before coming down here there was a dentist appointment that james had to be at you know there was someone over our house finishing our fireplace like this is adult life now so it, it's it's you have to have a very like you said a very strong partner but it probably took me a long time even to to reciprocate that and be like you have to understand where the other person's coming from you can't just always say oh well this is work and the game ran long there's certainly things that are out of your control but you have to you have to make sacrifices too so you know looking back on it I'm Sometimes not even sure how we got through those those hard days where I'm making sixty dollars a shift at the score and we're living downtown in a one bedroom. Now that was before children, but it's still like I it, it doesn't really add up how that all worked. But I guess if you're in a strong relationship and I'm fortunate enough to have one, you just you get through it. And you manage to do it, and we have. It's so crazy thinking about being broke when you first start out yeah and that your love of the business is the thing that that kind of carries you through what's what's the moment that you have you're like man i'm i'm real broke (laughs) right now uh it was probably when we were living we were living in a high rise on LaSalle. you know kind of like division in LaSalle, which is a great area to live and we I love that apartment. There was a pool on the on the roof. You know, it's a great place to be living in your twenties. But we couldn't afford that rent. And we lived there we lived there for two years 
and probably a few months into the second year of the lease, they're like, yeah, we probably should not have re-signed that lease. So, you know, we had to do little things. Like, we're also paying for parking on top of it just to be able to park our cars there, and we both needed it for our jobs. So it's like, all right, it started with moving the car to my dad's house and just being like, oh, I'll take the blue line there when I need to go get it, when I really need it. And then it was like, yeah, we should probably go live in that garden apartment he has under his house for a year and try to recuperate some of this money. <laughs> and that's what we did. And that was awesome because it allowed us to save up. Uh, that was actually the year we got married and save up to, to buy our first house. But, yeah, it doesn't, like I said earlier, a lot of it, doesn't. looking back on it, doesn't even really add up to how it all worked. But it did somehow. I don't know how. Yeah, it's a, it is... It's a hard thing to try and explain to people. And I'm sure that everyone else, like, in their origin stories of people outside this, would probably have it, too. It's just strange because people think, well, you work in media. You obviously have a lot of money. Or you're, you're popular, therefore you're rich. And those two things don't always add up. No. It still doesn't really add up right now, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> How's James doing? Oh, uh, he's he's pretty good. There's there's all these little things. Like I mentioned the dentist this morning. He, he has to have his two front teeth pulled. Oh which no. Is, which is terrible. He just got infected teeth and um so there's always little things, but the the bigger stuff uh which for those that don't know, he he's born with something called 22Q, uh also known as the George syndrome. And if you if you just saw him right now, if he was sitting here, you wouldn't know there's anything anything wrong with him at all. But um, it's it's just sort of affecting his development. And the easiest way to explain it is you're missing some genes. It's like a deletion of a chromosome. Whereas um, Down syndrome is you have the extra chromosome. This is sort of like the opposite. So you're missing certain genes, and so it can essentially mean anything. Like it could be something minor, like just a learning disability. Or not that that's minor, but compared to some children have like life-threatening problems. In James's case, uh, his um, aorta was wrapped around his esophagus, and so they actually had to go in there once he was. I, man, what did we end up doing? I think a year and a half or so. They actually went in there and they had to kind of redo all the heart plumbing, which is you know is really scary. So that was the worst of it. And fortunately, I, I, I cross, cross our fingers. I think we're behind all that, uh, at least the big stuff. And so he's going to have some challenges going forward. Most of it ends up popping up just like things like this. Like, ah, okay, you're going to look like a hockey player for a few years because you're not going to have your front teeth until your permanent teeth come in. Uh, but overall, he's, he's doing really well, and he's, uh, he's a really, really good kid. So we, what, we, we have fun. What do you think having him – has taught you about yourself? I think, and I'm guessing I'm not the only one in this business. It is a blessing to have a job that does not feel like a job, okay? I think the trap with that when you're in a relationship is when you absolutely love what you're doing for work, you can get too consumed in it. Because you're, you're having fun. You're not, you're not like, it's a toy box. You're not, you're not doing hard labor or something that's like, you know, you're, 
and I have a lot of respect for those people that have those jobs. It's like, man, you're working your ass off for 10, 12 hours a day. It's probably, but it's probably you spend a lot of that time going, Oh, I can't wait to get home and see my wife. And it's not, not that I don't do that, but you're, when you're locked into a, a game or a practice or whatever it is, like it's much easier to to sort of have the blinders on to whatever you're looking at in the moment. Whereas sometimes when you're sitting at a desk and you're you're just bored trying to get through the day and you know you're you're thinking about a lot of other things, so it's it's sort of a blessing and a curse. So to get back to your question, I think I think James being born and all the stuff we went through together. I mean, we he was born in Wausau, Wisconsin, less than a month after I left the score, starting a new job at a brand new radio station that was banking a lot of what we were doing on the coverage of the Bears. And here I go have a kid on vacation two months earlier than he was supposed to be born six hours away, even farther away from Bourbonnet where they're in training camp. And, I mean, we were we, – that was a tough situation to be in, and my wife was just, like, sort of living up there a lot by herself as I'm trying to juggle the Bears, and James is in the hospital for two months. It was it was crazy, but what I'm getting at is, like, I think it really focused me more on family that and realizing – and we all go through this maturation process, but it happened, I think, that's when it really happened for me real quickly and, like, yeah, you have a great job. You're having a lot of fun, but bringing a kid into the world kind of changes perspective on any, everything. And a lot of people say, "Oh, family's always number one, works works second. I don't know that that was always the case for me, but once James was born, that certainly uh, that perspective totally changed for me. And that's how it has been for the last four and a half years. But it's not like you were. It's not like you're an immature guy. Like you've always been if 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 I can pay you the compliment if you think it's a compliment, I've always felt like you're older. Like if for for your age, like even when you started, like you could tell like you took things seriously, you knew how to have fun, but it wasn't like you were one of these guys that was out with a lampshade on his head on Rush Street every night. Right. No, I exactly. No, I don't. And it's funny cuz cuz Mark Carmen over at WGen Radio is is kind of like not not that we have a, our own show together, but he's always sort of like my partner in, in crime over there. And he was the first person I was working with when I was interning at, at GN over 10 years ago. And he's in his 40s. I'm in my 30s. But we always joke around that I'm older than him. Mm-hmm. And he agrees would, with that. I would agree with that, too. <laughs> Knowing Carmen, I would yeah. 100% agree with that. Because it's not – age is just sort of a number. I mean, you're – when you have responsibilities and and life, not that Carm doesn't, but um, you know he doesn't have kids yet, and it changes everything. It really does. So, yeah, I, I for me the issue wasn't like I was doing stupid stuff. It was just I, I'm talking more so just like prioritizing what's important to me. Again, I think it just goes back to like how much I love sports. That's like all I grew up caring about. I'm one of those guys. And so when you get when you're getting paid, even though it wasn't a lot of money, when you're getting paid to do that, it's really easy to like kind of neglect other important things in your life because you're just like. Well, and also, the, I think this business sort of breeds that because the, you have to work really, really, really hard to survive and to get the next job, and that's why I don't always 
I think it's hard for somebody not working in the business, whether it's your wife or girlfriend or, or just a friend or anybody that you're around to kind of understand what it takes to keep that going. So it's always a give and take. I think it took a long time for my wife and I to figure it out. Uh, a lot of that gets back to me just like having to mature and understand it. And I think I have, and I think our relationship now, and we've been together 11 years now, um, married for over five. I think our relationship's stronger than ever now. Walk me through the decision-making process to leave the score, knowing that I I played a very small role <laughs> in helping. I would just love to know like what you were thinking and what ends up making the decision to take a risk at that point in your career. Yeah, there's no question it was a huge risk. If, is it accurate to say that you kind of tried to talk me out of it? Is that yes. a, is that accurate? That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame you. I mean, because because it was funny because be, for the, between two of you, I actually gave opposite advice. I told you to stay, and I told Connor to go. Yeah, like that. That was be, because I felt like Connor was going to get the on air shifts, and he was gonna it was gonna give him the opportunity for you. I felt like there were gonna be opportunities for you at the score. But I also understood that, you know, this was going to be an opportunity. But, yes, that, that would be an accurate assessment of the situation. See, I, I guess I wasn't convinced that those opportunities were going to be there at the score. And it was a little weird because I was technically in a totally different department than the on-air guys, even though I was getting on-air shifts and filling in on the weekend, and that was – you know, starting to pick up a little bit. But in our digital department, like, there wasn't anywhere else to go unless you wanted to be, like... You were the digital department. Yeah, that was it. And so it felt like, unless I transi transitioned over to, uh, you know, Mitch Rosen's side of it where he's running programming, and there really wasn't a job there, you know, unless they're going to somehow hand me a show some which wasn't going to come for like ever so that that was part of the thinking um I kind of knew I I've always wanted to be out at the games and or you know I didn't want to be sitting at a desk all the time and that's kind of what that job was other than when I got out and was covering the Bears too on the side but that was almost like a totally additional job and I was kind of tired of sitting there at the desk and you know, editing stuff every single day. So I think that played in a lot. And I look, I knew, and we can get into the game. I think all of us who signed up for that knew it really wasn't going to work. It wasn't, it wasn't going to work. You, I mean, like you felt in your heart that it wasn't going to work, but it was a risk worth taking. Yes. Now I, did, I think it would be, Let's see, I, I made that move in mid-June, and it was gone in November. Did I think it was going to happen that fast? No. No way. No way. I, I thought, and I talked to a lot of people, like experts in the business, and, and they all told me the same thing. Like, I don't think it's going to work long term. You probably have two to three years, though. I, that's what I thought. Initially, I thought, well, it, it'll probably be two years, and maybe you catch fire because Chicago is so – craze for sports talk that maybe it does strike people and then there was like some of the tv like aspects of it too. it was like it could work like i thought it could work i didn't know what level it could work 
but I thought for sure that I wasn't sending you guys out to the world for five months. Right. Yeah, well, and I didn't think that either. But this gets back to what we started talking about, though, Lawrence. When you asked me, like, when did – it was football that I sort of realized, like, this can be my lane where I find success. And so this was the job where they were saying, we want you to cover the Bears. You don't have to worry about editing Bruce Levine's <laughs> <laughs> chopped up baseball pieces. And I love Bruce. But, man, that could take an hour on its own. Okay. You don't have to worry about me sending you stuff with two spaces after a period because that's what I was taught a long time ago before I started writing again. You're like, no, Grandpa, that's not how things are done anymore. Right. It's not MLS style. This is AP style now, which I used to put two spaces too, but journalism school, I got something out of it. One space. All right? (laughs) So, uh, anyway, so it was – my thinking was – they wanted me to cover the Bears. Like, this is what you're doing. We're going to send you on the road. You're going to cover all the games. And I made it perfectly clear to them. I said, this is an all or nothing thing for me. Like, I'm not just covering the home games. Like, if you really want Bears coverage on a sports station, you have to invest the money. And and they were great about it. And they said, sure. So that was that was the deal. And I my thinking was, all right, if this only lasts two years, I think I can establish myself on the beat in two years. So if it goes away, there'll be something else. So it was certainly a risk. I also knew, and I didn't know this for sure, but my guess, my guess was that the the Bears were the one team that transcended over to the news side too. So we always had WGN radio, like we were part of a WGN radio. And sure enough, right away, I mean, Steve Cochran was having, I was like the only one who was also being put on 720 because he wanted me on to talk about the Bears when I was on the road. And that ended up being huge because when the station went under, I think that's why they kept me. I mean, I I guess I still don't know why. They never really said why we're keeping you, but I knew I was one of three people, Connor McKnight and Jared Payton, the other, that that was being kept on. And... That was always in the back of my head. Like, if this doesn't work or if it goes under faster, I've worked with Dave Annett before. I know he likes me. I know he's going to go to bat for me. There's a chance that I'll survive. A chance. Again, I didn't think it would be done in November. I didn't think it would all play out the way it did. It was really – it was an awkward position to be in because a lot of people got screwed. A lot of people that I cared about. You know, where suddenly Mark Carmen, one of them, out of a job, and and then you're just sort of standing there, and you you know you're still employed. It was, and then we were still on the air for another month or so, which was totally weird, totally weird. Just like doing another month of radio when when uh, and you're doing it with people who know they're out of jobs. I it was not a very fun time. How did you react when our friend Ben Fenfer? You know, found out the news about the game's demise and, you know, lashed out on the air. I mean, it was I I don't want to say it was out of character for Ben because Ben is an emotional dude sometimes. But I was surprised at at how hard he went. But I understood it because it was happening to him in real time. It's some of the most real radio I've ever heard. Um, And I, I adore Ben for giving of himself 
But I, I kept wondering, like, how everyone else – was he echoing how everyone else felt? And did you have to fight an urge to also not allow yourself to, to explode on the air? Well, Ben was the only one that really had to deal with it in the moment. That's why I'll always defend him for it. Was it the best business decision ever? Probably not. But you can't process all that. I mean, you literally found out on the air that you're, you're fired. And your partner knew the night before. And it took a while for him to even realize that as they're talking about it on the air because it, and I don't know the whole, that was one of the worst days for me because, well, it probably was, I mean, the worst day in this business because I mean, I, I was told that morning about it because I was being kept. Right. So now you have to walk around understanding that you still have a gig, even though other people don't. And it was awkward for me because, or could have been even worse. I'm at Hal's Hall that day. And so I don't know what, I don't know the exact timing, but it was probably like 10 a.m. I was told. You're, I'm at, ha- I'm like probably leaving to go to Hallis right after that. So I'm at Hallis. It could have been much longer. So it was probably only an hour or so that I actually, hour or two that I knew what was happening because their show was in the midday. So they had to be still on the air. Anyway, I'm sitting there and I'll never forget this. Like, um, Jeff Dickerson comes over to me and he's like, have you seen this? Because I think Feeder was the one mm-hmm. who broke it. And I was just like, uh-oh. Because I don't think that's how it was supposed to. I mean, I didn't really know what their plans were. That and, wasn't how the information was supposed to be disseminated. Yeah, but I was just like, uh-oh, this is really bad. And I'm like, as far as I know, I think I'm okay. But look, this is all happening. I, I, I really... I'm really confused about what's happening, to be honest with you. And then, like, people kept coming up. I'm sitting there in my cubicle, and people kept coming after me, up to me, like, like giving me condolences. And obviously, they didn't know that I had my job or, or what was really happening. It was just a really awkward situation. So I can't imagine what it would have been like to be sitting there in front of a microphone and seeing this pop up during a break, which I think is how it went down. They came back from break, and... And to process all that in the moment, that's not how you should find out. That Now, I also know that's not how what the intentions were for everyone finding out. It's not like it was planned that way. But nonetheless, it still happened. And that's a problem. And so, to me, I think that's something that Ben should get a mulligan for. I agree. I mean, it's wholeheartedly. He hundred percent went went hard. I, I think his feelings though should be understandable given the situation, and I I think he's a really talented guy who you know, who who should be working in this business. So I, I'll give him a mulligan for it. I agree with that. I, I let's talk about covering the Bears because you're right. You know that you're up there while all this is going on. People coming up with you. It's it's a weird thing because it's both family and competition. Yeah. How do you balance that? So I think this gets back to the maturity, too. Because there there's no question. There's guys on every beat that um, 
it's almost like a pickup basketball game. Like there's like those two guys that take it way too seriously. <laughs> and you're like, like there, I was playing Sunday morning and like this guy said the ball hit my leg and went out of bounds. And I didn't think it did. Maybe, I, I really didn't think it did. But you don't always know. I mean, maybe hit my shoe in a spot where I couldn't felt. I don't know. And he's just standing there yelling at me. And I just said to him, I'm like, why are you yelling at me? It's Sunday morning. We're playing basketball. Just settle down. If you want the ball, fine. Like some people just – now, it's different because this is your livelihood and it's a job. And there is competition involved. But I don't know. There's there's sometimes where I I just feel like I'd rather I'd rather be friends and um you know, treat people with respect and not let it not let it go too far, which sometimes it does. I mean, I there's 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 some guys on the beat that uh you know, that have gotten into it with me before. So it is it is kind of a weird thing, but I think overwhelmingly like 95% of the guys that cover the Bears I've become friends with. I've had them over at my house. These are the people you spend a lot of time with uh, and you travel with them and you eat dinner with them. So um, I don't know. That part of it, that part of it's really cool because you end up, getting to know them better than a lot of the people I work with at WGN radio, because I'm never at the station. That part of it's kind of weird, but it's not a bad thing. It's just sort of the way it works out. And it's like that on like every beat. Your, was your first year Lovey's last? It was. Well, no, it would have been the, um, the season before that. Yeah. The season before that Lovey's last year was the first year I traveled. Yeah. How have you seen the beat change from then to now? Uh, well, it's changed a lot in turnover. I'd have to think about this, but I think I'm I might be like the third longest tenured beat reporter now. No, 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 no. There's a few. So Legear, Biggs, obviously, and and Dickerson. And then I mean Potsy too. Potsy's been around. He hasn't always been on the Bears. No. Though, so I don't know if that counts or not. But Potsy's been around. Other than that, though, I think I've. Yeah. I mean, that's what's sort of crazy. I mean, I'm only 32 years old. And so there's been a ton of turnover on the beat. And then certainly the way we cover the team has changed. And and I like to think that. One, one of the one of the great things that I've. um it's it's a blessing and a curse because, a, you know, a lot of the times I wish I had an editor. Hmm. You know, it, editors are really good things to have because they hold you accountable and they fix your mistakes and and sometimes they know to redirect you in a place where you should be when you're not. But not having an editor, and for the most part I haven't had one over the last eight years, kind of my bosses have trusted me to cover the team however I want, however I think is is best. And so I've – it goes back to, I think, something I mentioned earlier. I mean, when everyone's zigging, I try to zag and do something different. I 
you know, our Bears podcast was really the first one. Now there's like a hundred of them. I don't think anyone else was doing Bears mock drafts before I started doing that. That was when I was at the score. I remember that. That was actually at the score. Now everybody does them. And that's fine. I view that as a compliment. I mean, I don't care that it's a, you know, every it's football. It's a copycat league, right? So um and so when and then when everyone when there's when that's saturated, I try to do something different too. Um and now my writing is kind of mostly centered on one thing I write every week, 10 Bears things, and my bosses are cool with that like cuz I kind of realized you know, when we were when I was at the score, it was like get up as many posts as possible, and you're just trying to get the numbers. And a lot of it's still that way. But you know, one of the things I really like about the athletic right now that's come out is like they don't really because they're not dependent on clicks; they're dependent on subscriptions. They're really getting the time to put together thoughtful stuff, and. To me, that's I'd, as a reader, I'd rather read that, and so like that's the same approach I've had with my my things as I've evolved over the over the years, is like if I could put all my energy into one thing I write every week, yeah, it might be longer and it might take more of an effort to read it, but I think it's going to be better, and so that's kind of what I've I've focused on. How do you deal with limited access? Because and I'll, I'll just give you an example of something I went through. I I still I, I guess I'm still kind of going through I guess his PTSD for a Bears reporter, mm-hmm. but I was at Cubs with Bruce Levine, you Darvish's last um, simulated game, and I'm sitting there with Bruce and we're watching it and we're sitting right behind home plate. We're probably I don't know 50 feet from Theo, and I said to to Bruce I go can can I record this and he's like yeah he's like this isn't the Bears. You can record whatever you want. And I just sat there and I went, wow, like the access here is unbelievable. You mean that every homestand I can talk with Theo or Jed? You mean occasionally Tom Ricketts talks to people? Yeah. That I can record pretty much everything that I see and then share it with the public and there's no time limit on how long that can be shared? That would be the thing that if I were covering the Bears every day would drive me up a wall. It's really, really, really frustrating, Um, especially because I'm a guy that just I spend so much time during the week watching tape because I think it's so important to. Like one of the biggest mistakes I made early on covering the Bears was I knew I wanted to analyze not just report, but analyze. And so I would I would do these player grades every week, and I would post them on Mondays. And, like, it didn't take very long for somebody like Kyle Long to be like, hey, come over here. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, you don't know what the assignment was on this play. You don't. And so that was like, okay, well, you're, you're right. I can't just be looking at the broadcast and – analyze it I gotta at least take the time to watch the all 22 watch the end zone angles and really dive into this so that's what I do now but even then I don't know the assignments on every play sure so I'm getting kind of off on a tangent here but um so I that was kind of a learning experience like okay you need a larger sample size before you start you know saying oh this guy's playing bad this guy's not playing bad but I'd love to share this 
Like, I would love to share what I'm seeing on film. And unless you're working for one of the networks that has the rights to the games, you can't really do that. You know, unless you're working for ESPN and you're doing, like, NFL Countdown or the Matchup Show or whatever, and they're analyzing tape, like, I all I can do is tweet about it with a screenshot, which I still don't really understand how that's legal and a video's not. It's still the same footage. Doesn't Whatever. That's a whole other thing. So that's really frustrating when you spend that big of a portion of your week on something and then you're not really able to share what you're learning. I mean, you can, but you're not the way you you really should be able to. Um, so the same thing happened to me earlier this year. I got to a White Sox game early. And I'm up there in the radio booth getting ready uh, for the locker room to open. And down on the field, there's something going on. And then I realize, oh, Miguel Gonzalez, who's been hurt, is about to throw a simulated game. And I'm like, am I allowed to report this? And I texted Ray Garcia from the White Sox. I'm like, hey, am I allowed to report that this is happening? And he's like, yeah, what's wrong with you? Of course you can. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like, when you when you go cover another sport, like and we've we've covered so much football at this point in our lives, it's so refreshing. Like, I, don't get me wrong, I would still always prefer to cover the NFL team. But when you go to other places and you're like, wait, I have this type I can I can actually bring people in. You know, I, I can bring the listener, the viewer, the reader in because I have more access. And it's fun. It's always been funny to me that NFL, they default to your coverage is going to be destructive. Like, yeah. that, that's the default setting for NFL teams. And I've never understood that. I don't either. I, maybe it's that there's just such a microscope on every game. Whereas you know in baseball there's a game every day. I don't. I don't. To be honest, I've never really been able to understand. I mean, now from a money standpoint, I do understand. I do get why Fox is like, "Wow, we're spending so much money on these games. We don't want people to, to be able to take it and post it on their own somewhere." But at the same time, I don't get it because it's like it's after the fact. It's also your product. Like you're. If I take a, a screenshot from or a video from Fox's coverage, your logo's right there. I just put it out to forty thousand people. You should be. It's free advertising. You shouldn't care. I don't understand why they care about that. Um, and then the other the other thing that I mean, this gets into a whole other thing, but it's what I've argued with the league just a couple weeks ago and argued with the Bears about nonstop. The coaches' film is not a network. It's not network footage. It's league footage, and we pay for it. So I don't – I mean, this is a whole – I don't understand why you wouldn't watch your product out there, and I think the NBA has really embraced this. You watch NBA playoffs, there's posts every – I mean, it's awesome to be on Twitter during NBA games because it's – everything's right there. There's replays, There's and the, and the league has embraced social media. The NBA does so many things right that other leagues do wrong politically – Socially, uh, you know, social media, it, video, it goes on and on and on. And I'm not even the biggest NBA fan, and I can certainly admit that. So let's talk about your podcast because sure. I think you guys do a really, you do a service. I mean, it's not just a 
two guys that enjoy being around each other, but I, I think that it's valuable for Bears fans. What what went into the decision making to say let's let's throw this podcast out here and see how people feel about it? So again, I think this this gets back to what I've been so lucky is that I have the freedom to just try stuff and see what works and then, you know, if it works like these Bears mock drafts that blow up, great. If it doesn't, then, you know, cool. You could try something else. So I don't know exactly why I I can't remember this was four years ago, why I was like, oh, we need to start doing a podcast. Although I do remember experimenting with Dan Durkin over at this before I left the score, we did want we did like four before uh, an NFL draft. Yep, and it was pretty popular, or at least it felt like it was. I don't think we had metrics or could really find out how many people were listening, but it seemed like there was enough feedback that was like, "Hey, this is uh, this is a thing." So this, I think it would have been. I covered them at at the game for a full year and then, Oh I, yeah. Okay. This sort of explains it because when, when the game went away and I've said this to my bosses at WGN too, like that's what I signed up for. Like I signed up to come to a sports radio station and cover the bears, which is the, the team that drives everything in this town. So when the game goes away and now we're a year away from an election and I'm covering it for WGN radio, this is a totally different situation now. And my going on, this is not a criticism or anything. It's like going on the radio and talking to the morning show or the afternoon show on WGN is a lot different than talking football on your show, Lawrence, on the score. It's just a different audience. And so you have to talk about the game differently. And I think a part of me missed being able to be like breaking down football, Mm. breaking down football. And so the podcast allowed me in that first year, now I'm covering it for WGN, I'm not covering it for a sports station anymore, which is what I'm used to, to have the freedom in however long I want it to be or however short I I want it to be to just talk about the Bears, right? And I started doing it on my own. Like the first, if you go back and listen to like probably our first 10 episodes or something, it was just me talking. I had no idea how many people were listening. I probably didn't even care because it was just like, okay, I get to talk about football. And then I think I was realizing that people were were listening. And there weren't, it was, again, it was like, a, it was an area that people weren't, people weren't doing Bears podcasts. At least certainly not on the beat. Maybe there were a couple of fan ones out there. I don't know. But so it was like, okay, Pete, there's a there's an appetite for this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do I make this better? Me talking by myself is kind of weird. Because you don't have callers. You can't. I mean, you know more than anybody. Doing a solo radio show is really, really hard. It's a strange discipline. It truly is. For our business, it's, it's a weird thing to have a conversation with yourself. And it's it's really hard to do. And you do a great job, Lawrence. I mean... You really do because Thanks. it's not easy to not have a partner. To not have a partner where you can't even bring in callers. Or, I mean, you can bring in guests, and that's kind of what I was doing was each episode talking to a different member of – really, it was like, okay, well, this episode I'm going to talk to Moon, and this this episode I'm going to interview uh, Pat Finley. I don't know. And then it was like, well, why don't I just get one of these guys to join me permanently? 
and Adam Johns has been one of these guys we were talking about earlier that I've become really good friends with. He, back then when I lived in Park Ridge, lived three blocks away from me. So it made sense that he could just walk over to my house and we could do it on a, on Tuesdays. I think it back, we did it back then on Tuesdays. And it was just really easy to do. And we were just sort of experimenting with it. And then, uh, you know, it's it's become much bigger than obviously it was back then and it's a lot of fun where were you guys at last week you did you did a lot was it lotties Cortland's garage Cortland's garage okay yeah you had a monster crowd I, and I, again it just sort of goes back to like let's just try this and see what happens see who comes out and it was a huge crowd a lot of people every seat in that bar was taken there were people standing um and we just came out and talked football for an hour and Adam Amin from ESPN calls games and did the Bears preseason games. I texted him like, "Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Night? You want to stop by and talk football?" He ended up sitting there with us the whole time. And Adam, like, Adam, and Adam. We had three Adams. Two, probably too many Adams. No, that's that. I I don't know if it's enough. Honestly, <laughs> you throw Adam Harris in there too while you're at it. You guys can sit there and talk. But that's that's great though. Like seeing that outpouring of affection for something that you clearly adore. Like it's something that. That, that you want to share with people and then seeing all the people that are interested in it come out has got to be a cool feeling. Podcasts are, are interesting because they've actually been around a lot longer than people realize. Like early 2000s was like when podcasts really started, but they didn't, at least not in the sports sense, I don't think really catch on until like the last five years. Yeah, and I, I still don't think that we're at like a saturation point yet with it and i i struggle with how much sports i should do on this like i I, like i did the the, doing the bears like recap stuff because it made sense to do but you know this is obviously a little bit different like the whole goal of this is i want to talk more about journalism and stuff but i i think about that whether or not I, i think about how many people could easily do what i would think would be a bang up podcast and and I wonder why they don't, you know, like that, like it's not, it's, it's work, but it's not like there are some people who I've enjoyed, like now my, as I sample more and more podcasts, there's some people I just enjoy hearing talk. And I wonder if for the average person who's not in media, if that's the same way, like for example, Bill Burr, I love Bill Burr's podcast. And the best part of it for me is him reading ads. Because he's he's a genius at reading ads. And I just sit there and go, he just spent, like, I'll be in the car and I'll go, he just spent 20 minutes doing commercials. And I laughed my way. Now, th- this is a, you know, next level comedian who's, right. who's able to do this. But still, there are people who want to just hear you and Adam talk. Like, like that's, yeah. that's great. And- you sort of have to just embrace that. You know, I, honestly, when I'm, I'm really glad Adam Amin came by the other night and it turned out to be a great conversation, but we did we did one in Bourbon A uh, during training camp, and I was like, let's just, it's just us talking, you know, because that's what people are there for. You don't have to have, you don't have to have, you don't always have to have guests, if that makes sense. And and maybe the perfect example is, you know, in 2014, the year when I was covering the Bears for the game, I did weekly shows with Tim Jennings. And we went out, 
for half of them we went to bars. That crowd we had at Cortland's last week was way bigger than any crowd we had with an actual Bears player. Yep. So it's not I, – I don't think that – sometimes I – and this gets on a whole different conversation, but I think sometimes executives in sports, whether it's television or radio, get too – You're uh, doing too much. You don't have to always have an ex-player talking. They're good. And in some shows it works, like the show you guys are doing right now after Bears games on NBC Sports Chicago, it's working. Like you got three, you got three ex Bears players and you, and and it's and it's great. But not every, you don't always have to do that. And and so I think what Johns and I have been able to do is, it's like we're informed, we're covering the team. This is what we do on a daily basis. We're able to have fun with it, and it's not all just like structured reporting like we're allowed to bring our analysis into it which is really something I try to do in everything I do with the the Bears coverage is it doesn't have to be like this hardcore black and white reporting all the time that's good you should be able to know how to do that but the medium has changed the coverage has changed fans want to know what you think not just what you what you're learning is important and you want to report that you're allowed to have opinions around it too, and that's really what I think uh, fans appreciate, and what our podcast allows us to do twice a week during the season. So it's it's been a lot of fun, and I think it's continuing to grow. What advice do you have for someone who wants to follow the path that you laid out? So, I think the important thing is to realize that there's not just one path. Like my path will probably is probably so different and not gonna be replicated. Like sort of towing this line between radio and print and internet. I mean it. It was the perfect timing for it because that intersection. Everything's was... intersecting, but it's not gonna be exactly replicated. That's because I mean it. It speaks to what we've been talking about. Like you have to be able to do everything and be open to do everything. Like I'll look at my my baseball career. I was too um, set on being a second baseman, and it hurt me. I should have been able to. I mean, I could play all infield positions, but I didn't want to. I wanted to be a second baseman. <laughs> and eventually, when there was another second baseman there, they were like, "Okay, well now you're on the bench." So you have to be willing to do everything. Um. I hate, like, someone the other night asked me, one of somebody who was at Cortland's was a student and was asking me, and I'm like, man, you got to get an internship. But the problem is there's, like, less and less internships yeah. out there right now, which really, I hate that because I don't know how I'd be in this business right now without that first internship I had with WGN Radio. I'm with you. I, I talk to the students about this all the time, that it, it's a way in, and when it comes time for hiring, they're going to hire the people – they're more likely to hire the people that already know how the sausage is made mm -hmm. versus someone from the outside. It's not saying that you can't get an opportunity, but it, it, it and I understand, I understand the gripe of, is this free labor? Like, I understand that too. Like right. I, I get it, but I just keep wondering like, how else are we going to, 
how else are people going to be discovered? And I think that that's a difficult thing for programmers because they have so much stuff that's going on. Mitch isn't, I wouldn't say never, but he's more than likely not listening to podcasts, like just a random podcast looking for talent. Right. So how does that person get on? I I, I don't have a good answer for it. And I wish that, that people went back to or were we're figuring out a way to make it beneficial both financially and educationally for students to intern because I, I feel like it's a necessary evil to advance in the business. And I go back far enough that I was actually paid in my internship. That's nice. Which is like, I mean, it wasn't a lot. It was like $1,000 for the whole summer, sure. but it was something. It was something. So I don't really know. I, I don't have the best advice for like how to get in the door. But once you're in the door, my advice that I tell people is to look for the area that is underserved within the whatever organization you're at. So for me, when I was at the score, um, and also know what you're good at. Like I, I sucked at running the board for you, Lawrence. I think one day you even called me and you're like, dude, you got to get a lot better. <laughs> I mean... And and so I knew, like, that's not – I'm not going to be Jason Goff or Chris Tannehill with right. the sound. Right. Like, And I could edit sound, but not to that level. But when it came to, like, processing what was in front of me with the board and pressing the right buttons, everything, there's a lot that goes into that in the moment. I was not good at that. So – and I knew I didn't want to be a producer my whole life. So it was like, okay, what area is not getting coverage – that could be beneficial or allow me the opportunity to show that I can do this. So that started with covering college sports. And I just, not that Chicago cares that much about college sports. They don't. It's not a huge part of the station. But the website's sort of a blank canvas. You can put whatever you want on there. And you and the great thing about Twitter is you can put it out there to people who don't do care about it. I think that speaks to our podcast right now, too, because I know a lot of our podcast listeners are not WGN listeners. They're probably listening to the score more than listening to WGN, but they're coming to us for Bears content. So that's the great thing about social media, too. So I, I found, like, okay, here's college sports. I know a lot about it. I can cover it, and then maybe I can transition that into covering the Bears if there's ever that opportunity. So then the Jerry Sandusky thing blew up. And – the station really went to me to cover it then. That's right. Like, all of a sudden, it's not like Boers and Bernstein were having me on to talk about anything, except when I was producing, and you get to, like, chime in every once in a while. But when the Sandusky thing broke, and Dan obviously cared a lot about it, and he respected what the work I was doing on it, so they put me on. So you got to look for those opportunities, and you got to get breaks along the way. A lot of it's luck, no question. But you... Like anything else, you create your own luck. And so for me, my advice is like wherever you are, if you feel like you're not getting your opportunity, find your own opportunity. And eventually something will break your way. So then when that turned into, oh, now I'm in charge of the website, well, now I kind of have the power to put myself on the Bears beat if I want to. And I have this experience covering college football, college basketball. Now I can go cover the Bears. And then that's, you know, turned into late last eight years of my life. 
thank you so much for doing this, man. I'm I'm glad that we were able to to connect and you came here to the DePaul studios and everything. It's it's nice. And I'm 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 really happy that what you're doing cuz I I always knew that you had something. And I was like, what's it going to be? <laughs> and look at what it's turned into. It's it's great. Like the work that you're doing is great. And you should be proud of it. I know I'm proud of it. Is someone I do? Are you on my tree? Do, do you claim? Am I? Is that am I part of your origin story? Do I get to yeah. be that? Yeah. No. I without a doubt. I mean, you were the most work I did at the score producing was for you in that nighttime shift. There's no question. So I learned a ton. I love that shift. I love that shift because of what it does for other people well it's got to be hard on you because you always sort of have like a rotating yeah thing of producers <laughs> have and, to start over a lot and a lot of times they can't run the board like me and they and then you get pissed <laughs> that's okay like but, it, it, it i have to start over a lot yeah and it's fun because then you get like new ideas and you find out like the discovery for me over the last few years and it's leveled off some with herbie being ep is how old i am and so when i had like roki and now Tony, like these young people that'll go, mm, that's that's the younger end of the demo. I need to be paying attention to the stuff that they're doing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes yeah. I I definitely, I I learned a ton from you, and that was like that was the thing that's still hard for me. That was hard when I left the score, and it's still hard for me now. Was like, there's so many people at the score that I'm still really good friends with that I still listen to all the time and try to learn things from, but I'm not like, I'm not with you every day. Like I yeah. used to be. So it's a lot harder. Cause, and that's another thing I'd say, like you can't, you can't ever feel like you've made it. You have to continue to learn from, my, that's probably why you're, you're, you're like what you were talking about with the podcast, listening to the, somebody just read ads. Like, cause you, you gotta always get better. You gotta always th find ways to get better. So, um, there's times where I feel like I'm on like this sports island all by myself, <laughs> but it, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. I mean, um, now anyway, I, it, it's, thanks for having me in here because it's, it's fun to talk to, you know, it's fun being the guy that's getting interviewed for once. Yeah. When do you get to be interviewed? You know what? I'm, you're always, you're one of the best interviewers in the city. Thank you. But does anybody interview you? Well, I'm thinking about – I feel like if, if I do an episode where someone interviews me, I feel like that's such a dick move. Like I feel – yeah, you know, know what I mean? From, yeah. but, but I also think it might be interesting. So my wife has – she has said the first interview that you're going to do is with me. So I think that that might be a year ender, like that that'll be the episode at the end of the year or the end of the season – for me, but I also think it might be interesting to have like Tony interview me, okay, and see 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 what like what he wants to know, and what questions he might ask me. So I'm thinking about it. I'm I'm thinking about like having an episode of the podcast where someone interviews me, and there's also like there's this really really weird idea of having a fan come in and doing it. Okay, and I don't know if that works, but it, I'm willing. It's a it's a podcast. I can be experimental. Exactly. It. 
brings what does someone out of the house think of you and what do they want to know because it might be a different maybe maybe i hedge it maybe i get one of my students to do it that's a good idea you know like that's i come kind of in, a win-win yeah like i get one of the get one of the best students to come in yeah interview me it's a demo for them and it's a fresh pair of eyes on on our industry and then you don't feel like a dick because you're you're giving them an opportunity to interview mm. uh, you shouldn't feel that way though, people, because people want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. That's what we were just talking about. I mean, sometimes you just have to embrace that. Well, I appreciate you and all the nice things that you've said and all the incredible things that you're doing in your career. Thanks, Lawrence. This was fun. I'm so glad that you got the chance to to hear Adam and his story, and I I love the pictures that he posts of his son James. The, I I really dig that kid. I don't even know that kid that well, but. Every time I see him, he's got something cool going on. So I'm glad that Adam opened up about that and was able to share. And I'm 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 also happy that he shared what it was like when he was unsure of what was going to happen next in the business. And those are the types of things that I wanted to share with doing this podcast in the first place. I wanted people to get in a, a look behind the curtain. It's in the whole intro to the podcast. I, I want people to know what it's like and that it's while you might be popular you might not be like rich that this this career if this is the choice that you're going to make that there's going to be some sacrifices that are sometimes difficult to to navigate and adam has done a really great job of doing that so big thanks to him you should check out his coverage on wgn radio and also his podcast the Hogan Johns podcast, which is really, really insightful bear stuff. I I wish that I could have Adam on the radio, but obviously, since he works for another entity, I cannot. Luckily, since the podcast is independent, I put that in air quotes, I can get him on here, and it's really, really good. So I'm glad that he was able to make it. All right. It is time for your emails. And if you'd like to email the podcast, House of L podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is House of L podcast at gmail.com. This question from Leonard, and it's a it's a sports question. Wait, I'll I'll come back to Leonard. Let's go to Jim. Lawrence, would love it if you could get your radio Yoda, Steve Dahl, on the show. He owes you from your spots on his. I haven't reached out to Steve yet. That would be legendary, and we could probably hook that thing up where Steve's in his basement, and and we can get the, the, the line that he has connected, and even if we weren't in the same room, we can make it work. I thought about – he was actually really helpful. When I was thinking about starting the podcast, like I reached out to him. And I said, well, what do you use? Like, what things? And so he, the platform that you're listening, that most of most people are listening on is Libsyn. I know that you, you may be listening on iTunes or Stitcher or, or on Google Play Music or Spotify. But Libsyn is the, the website that allows me to send it to all of those destinations. And he told me that that's what I should go to and kind of told me, asked me about, you know, how much I'm going to do a month, and then that changed, and he made some really good suggestions. I thought about joining up with Shypod, but 
I didn't, as weird as this may sound, like I even with Steve, like I didn't want to have a boss. I wanted to have a partner, and it kind of felt like, you know, you, you weren't necessarily doing it for yourself. So I, I wanted to be able to, at least for a little while, do it on my own and see if I needed help. And I definitely needed help, but it wasn't from above. I needed it from below. So, like, I've gotten help from producers like Tony Gill or Chris Tannehill or Ryan Williams, who works here at The Score. Like, I've picked their brains about things on what it should sound like, what I should use, what things should I do going forward. And they've been really helpful. But, yes, Steve is definitely someone that is on the hit list. Uh, a giant influence on me. Giant. In, in radio, I talked about on the Jim Rose episode how, you know, you, you have representation when you're younger because I had Doug Banks and I had Jim Rose. That, I mean, that's a short part of the list. I mean, there was also Steve and Gary. Like, I grew up listening to Steve and Gary. I loved listening to Stephen Gary. It felt, it felt like I was doing something wrong. You know, my brother kind of put me on to Stephen Gary, and I was like, well, "You can say stuff like this on the radio," and it, it felt very adult when you're 12 or 13 years old to hear those guys do what they did. And there are other influences like Herb Kent. Like I wish I could be as cool as Herb Kent was on the air, or growing up listening to Tom Joyner. Someone actually brought up that. I should talk with, I should do like a Doug Banks thing. And one of the names that he mentioned actually probably makes more sense than if I did a, a, a Doug Banks tribute episode. Talking with Marv Dyson alone could be, Marv Dyson is basically Chicago's version, Chicago radio's version of Quincy Jones. So maybe a sit down with Marv Dyson is is good. And then I can get some of the, the stuff about Doug Banks in there as well. But I do appreciate it. That's a great suggestion. And I will definitely take it under advisement and see if Steve's pretty busy. And I'll see if we can figure something out and work something out. All right. There's a couple of sports questions. Okay. What if I just said no to the sports questions? Would, would that make me a bet? All right, since I do the Bears things on the weekend with the podcast, and shout out to the Chicago Wolves for sponsoring that. By the way, they've got free parking for all home games, and that's courtesy of Kia, the 2019 Kia Sportage. All right, since I've, I'll, I'll try and answer these. This one, I'll go back to Leonard's. L Lawrence, with this weird schedule quirk the Bears are in, facing all AFC East teams in a row, it got me thinking, what advantage, disadvantage do you think there is to block games that don't affect conference record? I I don't know if there's an advantage. I actually think that the the Bears are – this is – I think the game against the Dolphins is really important. I think that is the, the season. As weird as it may sound, if we're talking about week six. If they lose that game, I feel like they could go on a little bit of a spiral – if they win that game, I feel like they can survive any spiral that they have over the next four games. But I don't know if it, it matters anymore. It's not like teams don't see – there's no difference. Like the National League and the American League where you have 
oh, well, we have to change our batting order and maybe our strategy is a little bit different if we're an American League team playing in a National League ballpark because the pitcher hits. It's, to me, there's no real difference with the, with the AFC and NFC, not one that's worth bringing up. This one is from D, who says, to me, Aaron Rodgers has the same attitude as Cuddy had when he played. Aaron is a sore loser. Well, let me just stop you right there. Really? That's what we're doing? We're going to compare Aaron Rodgers to Jay Cutler in attitude? Also, who who likes losing? Does anyone like losing? No one likes losing. And you're seeing that from around the league. Guys are doing all sorts of stuff and talking about things. But I do appreciate it. Well, let me give props to, to Tom because I'm not sure that I'm not sure that I read his on the last podcast. I have to go check. But he's the one who suggested doing something about Doug Banks. And he said, you know, get Marv Dyson, get Tom Joyner. Tom Joyner would be on the list too. But I'm telling you, man, Marv Dyson's impact on Chicago radio and radio in general, urban radio, man, that dude, straight up and down, I don't think I can pay him any better compliment than saying that he is Chicago radio's version of Quincy Jones. And if you haven't seen the Quincy Jones documentary on Netflix, I would highly recommend it. I think they think that you would enjoy it. So that's going to wrap it up for today. Hey, Sunday, check me out on NBC Sports Chicago. We do the warm-up. That's on Facebook. I'll tweet that out. I'll let you know on Facebook. We do it 15 minutes before kickoff. Me, Alex Brown, Matt Forte, and Lance Briggs. After the game is over, we do the football after show because we have to call it that. It's on for an hour. So immediately when the Bears game is over, flip on over to us. We got you covered for an hour. Then I'll finish that, and I'll either come here or go to DePaul or go home and record the the podcast for my thoughts on the Bears game. So thanks a lot yet again for another cool week. Big thanks to Adam Hogue, who – Stopped by and and was great, as I expected he was. Go follow him on Twitter. Hogue is spelled H-O-G-E, by the way. Thanks to everyone who listened to this episode and is interested in going back in other episodes. I highly recommend it. There's some cool stuff in there. There's some guests that you're not going to realize that you like, and then you listen, and you're like, I love that person. I'm telling you. Thanks for listening. See you Sunday after the Bears take on Miami. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.